Welcome to the Gospel Journey Podcast. The Gospel Journey exists to help our people get to discipleship relationships that are centered on God's Word and led by His Spirit. Today, we are in week six of Path 8, Hebrews chapter 9. My name is Jamie Trussell, and again, I'm thrilled to be joined with one of our pastors and church planners, Antonio Jones. Good morning, Antonio. Good morning. Good to be here, man. Hey, kind of providentially, last week, you brought up a passage uh, that we cross-referenced this week as we were talking through Hebrews 8 uh, of John chapter 4. Uh, John chapter 4 is actually going to come into play in our field guide for Hebrews chapter 9. Great. So thank you for uh, providentially looking ahead uh, here. But but look, it comes even in, in, in this first verse. So let's jump right in this morning. Hebrews chapter 9. Now, even the first covenant had regulations for worship in an earthly place of holiness. Now, when he uses a language, even the first covenant had regulations for worship in an earthly place of worship. That, that's, that's, that's letting us know that also the new covenant has some regulations for worship with it as well. Now, they're not the same regulations, uh, and, and I would argue they're not restrictive because in the, uh, the story you referenced from John chapter 4, Jesus meets a woman at the well. Mm-hmm. And he says this, he says, hey, she's a Samaritan woman, which is, uh, you know, huge no-no right. at the time. Like, she is the dog of all dogs. Right. Uh, he says, hey, uh, she goes, Jesus, you know, our people worship here. Mm-hmm. The Jews, y'all worship down here. Uh, you know, what's the right place to worship? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Jesus says, hey, well, when you really know me, mm-hmm. it's not about here or there. Right. He says, you worship in spirit and truth. Which means you can genuinely worship God uh, wherever you are to find yourself. Now, for them, they had to go to the temple. But that was the center place of their worship. So where they went to do the sacrifices and everything. There was there was a geographic location involved. Yeah. Uh, we now have full access to, and uninhibited access to God, and we get to worship in spirit and in truth which we probably can't stomach or really uh, feel the uh, the weight of that comment in this first century context, but it's still a brilliant thought. Yeah, uh, and, and also to cross-reference Romans 12, which you brought up before, that uh, what that really looks like is us offering our bodies as this, this living covenantal sacrifice, that we, we do this on a daily basis. That's right. Um, and I think he was trying to get that idea over to this woman at the well who was used to, you know, the rituals of how to do things. Yep. Uh, when he said the hour is now here, you know, mm. that if you're going to worship God, you worship him in spirit and in truth. And uh, I think that's um, probably what enlightened her the most, uh, that she now learned that she doesn't have to come to a certain place. But even in conversation with Jesus, uh, she had an opportunity for her sins to be forgiven. Right. conversation or what some of us may call prayer you know and uh, uh just to make sure because we, we if we stopped right here right now i can see a lot of people finally in their mind going see i don't have to go to church <laughs> spirit and truth i can yeah. worship god in spirit and truth at home in my bedroom every sunday well hold on this isn't the only verse in the Bible that talks about worshiping God, especially in the New Testament. Right. So can do we have full access to spirit and truth? Yes. Does God, though, as he says, first come at regulations of worship? In a sense, so does the new covenant. Hmm. Now, they're not restrictive, but they do inform us 
in in ways that God has designed for our worship to be, I would say, more complete than it otherwise would be. And so uh, uh, two things. I'll start with this. Uh, A lot of times in church or church folks hear the idea of worship and the only thing they think of is singing. Right? So we call our person that leads us in our churches in song every week. What do you call him? Our worship? Worship leader. Yeah, worship pastor. Like yeah. This, this is worship. Yeah. He, biblically considered with the word that's used here, um, singing can be part of worship, but the idea here is actually a continually submitted lifestyle. Yes. Yeah. It is a ongoing lifestyle that proves or, or examples that I am continually and fully submitted to Jesus. That's biblical worship. Yes, Singing can be part of that. Um, but uh, uh, so so I'm, I'm not only doing that on Sunday morning right. is the point. Right. However, part of the catalyst to living a fully submitted life to yeah. God are making sure that, that we have the things in our life that God has says, uh, I've designed these things to help push you in that direction. Right. Discipleship. Right. It's like, Without discipleship in our life, it's really hard for me to think someone's really moving down that road of Christ-likeness to fully submit a lifestyle to God. The local church, created by God, instituted by God, uh, being a member of a local church that is in covenant underneath uh, elder leadership, which Paul says in the book of Titus, Titus, stay at Crete and establish the churches according to the pattern I've showed you, which is putting elders in place in every single town. So does Jesus say worship in spirit and truth? Yes. Mm -hmm. Is that all the New Testament says about how we interact and relate to God? It's not in the sense of, you know, bedside Baptist, you, your Bible and prayer is wonderful, but that's not a church. Right. Yeah. You can't claim it to be a church Mm -hmm. and you can't as a functioning Christian decide you don't need the church. Right. I think, uh, yeah, you're spot on. I think uh, this uh, submitted lifestyle is, um, I think when you talk about worship in particular, is an element that we use as proof as our devotion to to Christ, you know, and I think that's just a part of it. And in everything that you mentioned, I think uh, that's where we are in this society. We we probably have to go back and, and reteach some of these uh, mm. fundamental foundational truths that a lot of churches don't teach That's right. uh, the scriptures. And so the better way for people to know, I guess, in the Old Testament covenant, uh, it was brought so that people might see their sin. Um, Jesus uh, comes and helps us to understand that we can have life more abundant once we repent of those sins. How do we get this abundant life? Here are some of the steps you can take. You want to worship God, but how do you do that? You can sing. That's a part of it. Right part of a proof of devotion uh but there are other things your life has delivered be um this this canvas uh, that people read and mm-hmm. that they can see christ in mm-hmm. that particular canvas or whatever yeah it's so interesting too with just like pastors are so weird <laughs> and, and i'm i'm one of them i get it but I, I remember i did my grandmother's funeral um earlier this year uh, when she passed went back to auburn um, did the funeral and several pastors were at the funeral, like older, much older than me, kind of, you know, like Bill Garner's age. It was like really old. And um, 
he kept coming up to me. One guy was he was so proud. He said, "Man, I'm a pastor too." And he said, "I just tell you something about our church. We it don't matter who you are. We don't even do church membership. You just come in. Oh my dude, we don't even care. We're not even doing all that." And I sat there and going, "Well, wow. I'm probably never going to see you again. So <laughs> I, I'm not going to sit here and argue with you. But I'm going. I'm not. I'm not joining you in this." weirdo celebration yeah. that you're talking to me about right now. And part of that is the cult. It, it is our American yes. individualism yeah. that we think somehow, uh, and I usually don't, uh, stop saying something cause I think it's going to make somebody mad. I am going to stop here, but look, a lot of our history and our misconceptions about American history, uh, has really impacted how we read the Bible especially this idea of personal freedom and American individualism, yes, yes. that becomes toxic in the church. And it becomes toxic when you start to think that because we worship in spirit and truth, because this is a new covenant, because we don't have to go to the temple anymore, all of these things, that that somehow lessens your need to formally and fully commit and belong to a body of believers. Yeah. There's a phobia of that. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many conversations where I have to prove to someone that it's a good idea to belong to a church. Now, they'll come, yeah. they'll serve, they'll be doing everything that you would ask a member mm-hmm. to do, but nobody wants to be labeled, nobody yeah. wants to make it formal, mm-hmm. and, and it's just an interesting phenomenon that at some level we still want some autonomy. Yeah. And freedom, and I think what God's saying is, you've got all the autonomy and freedom you ever need in Christ. Right. You're not free of one another, mm-hmm. but you're free of sin. Mm-hmm. You're free of condemnation. Like, all the freedom you need mm-hmm. is yours. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You ever want, or, or you got any thoughts on that? I mean, yeah. Um, you know, just even referencing Jeremiah 31, where you were speaking about, I think it was God who was saying he was the husband to his people, mm-hmm. uh, which speaks to a devotion of people who, let him down, you know, time and time again, but he was a husband to him. He was devoted, which is a picture of what marriage is, that the the commitment to a marriage is so important that through the good and the bad, you remain devoted. Uh, mm-hmm. When you look at Acts 2, uh, 42 through 47, when the churches were being, you know, when, when uh, they started to, you know, just bring churches into the whole thing um, in Acts 2 after um, – they received the gift of the Holy Spirit and, and all the things that happened at Pentecost. Uh, the scriptures say that the people were devoted, devoted to the right. teachings of the apostles and to one another and to one another. How do you get that, though? You have to take on these elements of this submitted lifestyle, which means that's right. That's once you take point. that step, yep. devotion is easy. You get to see that there are other people who are just like you, who are in need in need of being saved just like you and, and without each other. We're probably less of who we, who we can be. So um, mm. I really love the fact that mm. Acts 2 speaks to the community of, of faith. That's uh, right. Yeah. And, and, and look, before we move on, can you worship God and have access to God without ever going to church or being a member of a local church? Yes, you can. Is your walk with Christ and your spiritual maturity uh, necessarily stunted? unnecessarily affected in negative ways if you're not um i think a member of a local church i would say yes i'd say it is um so nobody's sitting here arguing you know the old school if you don't go to church 
you know, you're going to go to hell. Or right. Nobody's this morning saying that. Yes, you can f- worship God, spirit and truth. Yeah. But just remember, if you're really submitted to God, you're going to be submitted with the lanes in which yeah. God said we should run. That's right. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, he says, so, so moving on to chapter 9, he, he makes a, a, a little bit of a confusing phrase for us uh, in, in verses 9 and 14. And he just used this idea. It talks about perfecting the conscience mm. of a worshiper. Uh, now, I don't know about you. Um, I don't feel or experience anything that remotely sniffs of perfection <laughs> in my God. daily life. Okay. Uh, right. But but now he says this is true. Mm. Do it, and I don't experience it. And yet he says this is true. So what in the world? How do I make sense of what he's saying? Uh, we got to keep it in context. Old covenant new covenant i think all that he's saying here is the old covenant was ceremonial right and it lacked right. power right the new covenant is substantial and it has all the power in the world what does it mean to perfect our conscience to actually fully remove sin mm-hmm. and cleanse us yes, from right. it does that make sense yeah so it's not meaning that in our daily life we will function in a perfect way but it means we're in a perfect covenant mm-hmm. that f- fully removes sin from us in powerful ways. Right. Am I making sense there? Yeah, because of the work of Christ. I mean, that's, that's it. That's the whole point. What he did was a once and for all act, and it could have only be done by him because there's not enough bulls or goats that you can get. That's exactly right. This impure blood that could even uh, compare to the purity of, of, of Christ and what he did for us. Yeah, which is almost like you read the field guide because the next major point in this section is Christ as the mediator. Mm. I mean, he and, and, and so when you think of a mediator, it's someone who brings two parties together. Uh, the amazing thing about Jesus is, uh, so, so the two parties he brings together are, are God and humanity. Yes. Most of the time now, so if you and I were to have a dispute, we go to a third party yep. mediator, and he'd try to bring us together. Yes. The unique thing about Jesus is, Jesus brings God and humanity together. Because God and humanity are first brought together perfectly in himself. Yeah. He is the God man, fully man and fully God. And whereas a human mediator cannot in any sense of completeness represent you to me and me to you, Mm -hmm. they can try. Right. uh, But they can't be you and they can't be me. Mm -hmm. Well, Jesus was us and was God at the same time. And so he is the perfect mediator to bring God and man together. Yeah. Uh, and fully reconcile, fully reconcile the two. So two parties are brought together and reconciled. And now it says Jesus stands forever, forever as our perfect intercessor before the Father. Beautiful, man. Yeah, it's an amazing thought. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, this gets a little technical. Probably won't come in your gospel journey groups. I think it's a fun thought, though, uh, largely because it's true. And I think it's powerful. Is Jesus now, since his resurrection from the grave, actually exists for all of eternity moving forward as fully God and fully man? Mm-hmm. Uh, that is his existence right now. Yeah. And so when he stands bef- uh, 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 as our intercessor for the Father, God always in front of him has a picture of humanity reconciled mm-hmm. to himself. Yeah. And so that's why we don't have to fear. We yeah. fear no condemnation. Why? There's this constant picture in the heavenlies of man reconciled to God. Yeah. Now, problem is not every single person 
mm-hmm. right? There, there's something that, that grants you access to that reconciliation, repentance and faith. Right. Lest we go down the route of universalism right. and say everyone's saved. Right, and and that's a movement now. Yeah, it is. God is love, which yeah. means God would never condemn anyone to anything. Well, one of the toughest passages in the book of Hebrews at this point is in our chapter this morning, uh, chapter nine, verse twenty-seven. Right. So, is Christ a mediator? Yes. Does he reconcile humanity and God together? Yes. Does that mean every single human that will ever live is reconciled to God? It does not. Right. It does not, and I don't say that with any sense of joy or excitement. Uh, but if we hold the Bible to be authoritative and true, uh, then we're not permitted to uh, to disbelieve what it says. Here's what he says: nine twenty-seven. Just as is it appointed, appointed for man, we take that word to be mankind, humanity, all humans, to die once, and after that comes judgment. This is, as we'd say Sunday morning, the word of God for the people of God. Oh, yeah. Except most people don't say praise be to God after this one. That's a tough verse. Yes, it is. It is. Tough verse because you know what it brings squarely into reality? Uh, hell. Yeah. Judgment. Uh, this attribute of God that somehow displays his glory. Somehow he does it in total perfection where we would not. And just on an emotional level, I don't like this verse. Because I could rattle 10, 15 names off to you right now of people that half of which were in my wedding yeah. that don't know the Lord. And so yeah. when I think about them, this verse is true. Yeah, it is. And I'm sure you've got family members and friends or people who come into the shop and get their, they get their hair cut that you know, as it currently stands, have not responded to Jesus in repentance and faith. If they were to die, the only next step for that is judgment. judgment. Yeah. It was a hard verse. Very tough. Um, and, and in my line of work, uh, in the what we call the marketplace, uh, as a barber, you, you get to talk to every person from all walks of life. And it's frustrating with the clients that I have um, who've been with me for years who obviously don't have a relationship with Christ. I, I grieve, you know, weekly, mm-hmm. and I pray for insight and wisdom on how to speak to them, how to how to make them more urgent with the fact that this is your only life. Mm. And if you don't um, establish that relationship with Christ, you know, man, judgment is going to re- be a really tough day. And my hope is that I would have done everything I could to bring Christ to them is on a higher level, lower level, middle level, whatever that looks like, mm. but at some level of understanding and a way that they want to receive him. Uh, but uh, again, that judgment is so, um, it's such a hard thing to know that there is an end to all of us at some point in this physical body. And you would just hope that you would have lived it the way Christ wanted you to. And you would have told as many people as possible about Christ. Yeah. I love what you said there about, uh, um, stressing this point. I say to my wife all the time when I'm, you know, some, some days, I'm like any other dude. I was telling somebody I met with um, a while back. Yeah, uh, there's this misperception of pastors at times that we're kind of that almost live. We live like in this unbroken communion, mm-hmm. higher plane. I said, man, listen, I'm about as 100% red blooded dude as you could find. Yep. 
as normal as everybody. Like, I struggle with significance. I struggle at times going home and going, man, like, I've got one life to live, mm-hmm. just like everybody else. Am I wasting my time? Yeah. Am I spinning my wheels? Yeah. Am I doing anything that counts? Oh, you know, right? We struggle with that too, right, yeah. as pastors. Yeah, it's the same way anybody else would. And the reason is, look, this verse says we live and we die. Yeah. One life. Yeah. Uh, but something you brought into view, which is huge, is uh, uh, that one life is the only opportunity we get to yeah. carry the gospel to a lost and dying world. Yeah. And I wish, man, I was reading this the other day. I wish I remember his name. It was a Scottish guy. He died at 27. Uh, it's a long time ago. Powerful preacher. Mm-hmm. But lived, uh, had immorality in his lifestyle mm-hmm. at certain points. Died of syphilis. My goodness. On his deathbed. Uh said God God gave me a great message but I've killed the messenger oh my god and he was talking about his physical body mm-hmm. saying look I, I had one wow. opportunity and look there's tons that go into this yeah. taking care of ourselves you know doing everything we can to be to be healthy because we do get this one vessel yeah. this one body it's a broken body it's a fallen body but we do get that's all we got to carry the gospel to the ends of the earth to serve the Lord here's a great freedom though is that God's in sovereign control and you could share the, when you share the gospel in the barbershop, you get to go home that night as much as your heart may ache for someone rejecting Jesus, you know, you're not responsible for their yeah, rejection. Right. All you can do is plant the seed. Yeah. God does the work. Yeah. Right? God, only God can lift the veil. Only God can regenerate their heart. But there is a sense of us. We've got to be the faithful messengers yeah. in that deal um, to keep going just a little bit more. And, 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 and I can get ramped up on this verse just circumstantially because one of my closest friends, and we even used to be in ministry together, has gone some different ways as it specifically relates to the doctrine of hell mm. uh, and judgment, which ultimately, look, is going to impact how you view all of Scripture. There's, yeah. there's, You can think it's not going to, but it's going to impact the way you view everything. Yeah. And... Uh, uh, it, it, let's talk about hell for a minute mm-hmm. um, because I, I think this one and I know it's been debated I know people land in different places I know there are modern movements towards this idea of Christian universalism uh, uh, even uh, ideas that yes hell exists but it's more purifying so you may go there for a season repent and then be ushered into the presence of God uh, I think the Bible is really clear there is no second chance no you're born, you live, you die, mm-hmm. judgment. Yeah. There is no purifying aspect of hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is no uh, second life that you get, second opportunity that you get. Uh, there's nothing clearly in Scripture that leads us to think that there's even the opportunity of coming to saving faith after we die, which puts so much urgency yeah. on our current life. Urgency. Uh, now, freedom, I don't have to earn. I'm not earning heaven. Right. I can't. Uh, I'm not responsible for your salvation or anyone else's. God's in control. God's all-powerful. But there, it, look, there is this urgent, and, and, and we preach grace so much, which we should. Mm-hmm. And we're and we're so reactive to the old-school 70s, 80s, and 90s fire and brimstone preaching, <laughs> which was basically, 
Except Jesus, you're going to go to hell. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, of course, a thousand people came <laughs> Scare forward. You, yeah, I mean, he just yeah. scared the mess out of them. Yeah, every six-year-old in America just became a Christian based off this one sermon, <laughs> right? Uh, but uh, we've reacted in such a way that we've almost totally removed it altogether. Yeah, it's still true. It's still true. Yeah. Was it yeah. preached in maybe tones and manners that could have been done more winsomely? Right. Sure, it should have been better articulated. But don't remove the truth of it. Right. And to bring it back into view, the reality of judgment uh, that will come on all those who don't know the Lord should catalyze evangelism and urgency. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's urgent is probably the better word. You know, that description, what Romans six twenty three, the wages of sin. People should understand that. And, and I use these um phrases and grammar all the time for every cause there's an effect you hmm. know the wages of sin you know if you you know you sin is the way you want to live your life there is a effect that comes as a result you have to pay for that yeah in one shape form or fashion and uh if that life is lived without repentance in christ then we know hell is probably where that person would be and uh i think i was one of those kids who Probably, you know, scared as well with those old timers message, but I always knew internally, even as a young kid, that it was true. Right. There was truth to it that if I don't, even at my young age, if I could comprehend the message of the gospel, then that's an opportunity even for me. As I tell my my Mm. oldest son, who's 10, hey, man, all I can do is preach the gospel to you and and pray that you comprehend the understanding of what it means. It's still your choice, even as a 10 year old, to decide if you want have a relationship with Christ. So, again, yeah, it's really important. Um, I try to express that as much as I can, too, not in as much fear the way our forefathers preached that message, but to remind people the ways of sin is death, you know, but salvation is a free gift, man. Free gift, uh, yeah, to respond to repentance and faith. Yeah. Um, you know, I will close it down with this. I had somebody ask me uh, this probably a month ago from when we were recording this about, uh, she was working in a youth youth uh, ministry context here in Memphis. Uh, I forget if it was, I don't know if it was streets or ma'am or youth villages, some, some context. And uh, asking how to present or talk through God and his judgment and the reality of it with kids. Like, how would I do it with kids? Hmm. And we may have some people in our gospel journey groups that have Young kids, older kids, yeah. and kids all across the map. Here's what I told her. You know, my kids are a little. I got three, four, and under. Yeah. Um, yours are a little bit older. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you're about to be back in the newborn saddle. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. giddy up, brother. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, and, I, and here's what I told her. I said, along the way, they're, as they grow in physical maturity, they're growing in mental maturity. You've mm-hmm. got to know those kids. Mm-hmm. You got to be in such a relationship that you know, and I think my kids now, I speak to them in their own language and ways of comprehension. But I said, honestly, I don't teach my kids about hell, not at four or two and and whatever. You know what I teach them? I teach them about the unbelievable love of God. Oh, yeah, man. Because that's what I want them responding to. Exactly. I, I want their I want their initial picture and response to be. Now we talk about death. Mm-hmm. My four year old can tell you right now, Jesus died mm-hmm. on the cross 
for his sins. Mm-hmm. He, 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 he get like, we have an unbelievable children's ministry at harvest. Yeah. He gets that. He gets the gospel every week, mm-hmm. every week of the year. I mean, it, it's really remarkable what happens in our children's ministry. Both my wife and I, my wife does a wonderful job reinforcing it at home, but, but we don't bring hell into view yet. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I, I want him responding and wanting to be with God because he understands what God's done for him, mm-hmm. not what God will one day do to those who don't know him. Yeah. Now, it's coming when we'll talk about that, mm-hmm. but I don't think there's there's not an urgency for me mm-hmm. to get there with my kids right now. Right. Does that make sense? Very How much. do you process that as a parent of a few of a little bit older kids and as you've walked through that? Well, I, I agree. I don't know how much of that I could change uh, besides the fact that my, my eldest, who is 10, he'll be 11 in a month or so. Um, we can now talk about that because I expressed to him one day dad is going to be gone. You know, you mm-hmm. should know that. You should be prepared for that. So how do you do that in your relationship with Christ? You know, one day um, you know he loves you. You know you have a relationship uh, with him, but everybody leaves here at some point, how do you leave a legacy of salvation? So my kids, what, 10, 6, and 5, uh, we try to reinforce that every day as well. I don't think uh, talking about hell is a huge benefit at this point unless you're old enough to comprehend and understand yeah. it. So, again, I, again, I pick it back off of you. Nothing much really to add to that. Yeah. Um, maybe food for thought in your gospel journey groups, uh, time together, just where are you at with this idea and doctrine of hell? That, yeah. I mean, is it largely a, a, a afterthought? Uh, are you wrestling with the truth of it? Does it cause you to question God? Uh, big things to wrestle with with this week. But here's what we know. As difficult as the doctrine will be, God himself gave his son to make a way back to him. Salvation is a free gift to all those who would repent and believe. And so uh, the amazing thing about God, while hell seems so severe because it is uh god's made the pathway available and open to uh not have to fear that reality yeah. um, antonio thanks for being with us again thanks two weeks in a row uh, next week we will pick up in hebrews chapter 10 and thanks again for joining us on the gospel journey <laughs>